Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. It's like uh, when you start to, to think or romanticize, you know, like, oh, I called my dealer, he's coming, and you, you start sweating, and your stomach starts turning, and you, you start, you, you, you know, you're actually having a physical response or sensation, and you haven't even got the substance yet. Right. So, you know, you, you do have that correlation in the whole process of uh, getting that. Sometimes I think, you know, um, it was more stimulating uh, before I actually got the drug than when I got it. Inside the 5150 Studios, this is Knocking Doors Down, a podcast about ending the stigma around addiction and mental health. This is your host, Jason, and I, of course, I struggle with some alcoholism, some childhood and sexual trauma. Over there is my awesomely tattooed co-host, Uncle Mikey. Hi, everyone. Well, you know, he struggles with some anxiety, and, well, let's be honest, he's screwed up a few times, but who hasn't? Yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Our guest today, Jerome Piper. My fellow 49er faithful. Yes, uh, he is. Uh, Jerome's a great guy. Uh, of course, working now with Aspire Counseling Services, but uh, he does have a background of addiction and uh, some childhood. I, I would think he would call it some trauma for sure because he, he, you know, he talks about his dad not being present, but having some stepfather figures in and out of prison. Obviously, some struggles, and uh, you know, he, he, I could relate to him because he did a, and you'll hear it in the conversation. He kind of avoided the drugs and alcohol and really focused on sports, but eventually, sir, came to it as often as some people do. I was a late bloomer. Well. As I just recently heard with one of our past guests, Dr. Rob Kelly, you can be fluent in Japanese, but if you live in a German household, you will go grow accustomed to speaking German because that's sure. just the way it is. And I think that might have been a similar situation with Jerome when he fell into it as well, based off of his past trauma. Yeah, and I think wanting that definitely that bond you hear that uh, not a father presence, but wanting to bond with other people. Sure. And so we do that. I mean, you know, men, women, people, it's just what we do. Yeah. We, we're, we're tribal, whether or not we want to admit it or not, mm-hmm. or we don't. So uh, interesting story, great guy, and uh, you're definitely going to enjoy this conversation. Plus, at the end of the interview, after we talk to Jerome, we'll do another little open door talk. Uh, Mikey, I'm going to bring up the truth will set you free. No, nah, I don't want to talk about that. But not exactly. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, so stick around after the interview as we uh, expand wisely from our own perspectives. And of course, we can't do any of this without 5150 LTM. The LTM stands for Live the Madness. And what's that all about? Well, hey, you know, we got to sometimes fuel our passions in life. And maybe it doesn't seem, and maybe it doesn't seem like the uh, path that other people might want us to take or whatever it is, but uh, we got to keep going for it and keep pushing forward with a passion. And you, listeners of Knocking Doors Down, you can get 20% off. How, Jason? It's pretty simple. Click that link in the podcast description, which is 5150ltm.com, and use the code KDD20. What is it? KDD20. That's two zero numerics. It's all in the description. Get yourself swagged out. What is it? KDD20. What is it? KDD20. Use the numerics. Uh, It's all in the podcast description. Sick, man. This episode of Knocking Doors Down is brought to you by Recovery in the Middle Ages, a podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. These guys are hilarious and informative, and they're brought together by their common struggle, 
Mike and Nat get to know each other's addiction story on air and realize they have more in common than they thought. Find Recovery in the Middle Ages on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, and MiddleAgesRecovery.com. That's MiddleAgesRecovery.com. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. It's all about that Dutch Brothers. Dutch Uh, Bros. I like this. This too much much damn sugar. I can't do it. I know. I'm, 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 I'm hooked. Really? Uh, Dutch Bros is good. Go get you uh, go get you the Golden Eagle. The Golden that's, Eagle. Huh? Yeah, that's the one. That's like a sounds like some sort of uh football <laughs> or athlete's nickname, right? The Golden Eagle. Heisman Trophy winner, yes. the Golden Eagle. Johnny the Golden Eagle from Alabama. From Alabama Roll Tide. Roll, roll Tide Roll. <laughs> See, Jerome knew what Roll Tide was. Well, you said he, Alabama first. Yes. Yeah, but and he knows football. Yes. But he knows Roll Tide. So we had a you guest on. Oh, Jerome Piper here with us. Uh, oh, are from, we going? Yeah, we're rolling. Hi, everyone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hello. From Aspire Counseling Services, and he's going to share his story of recovery and uh, the amazing work he's doing. But yeah, so we had this guest on, and she's from Alabama, and, and she said, Roll Tide. And he's like, what the, what the fuck is Roll Tide? I'm like, I've said it to you so many times. Like, we're in L.A., a pretty lady walks by. Yeah, she was Roll Tide. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? When I see a pretty girl, I'm like, hey, what's up? <laughs> hey. <laughs> it means uh, you're getting blown out. I get, okay. They, All right. they, they, put a, they hung a 50, hung 50 on you, and... Um, it's it's ugly in the fourth quarter. It's gonna be a long bus ride home. But she was explaining it like they'll they'll say it at funerals. Like yeah, roll tide, roll, roll tide. tide. And I'm yeah. just like, what? That literally has it means everything. If yeah. you say it. Yeah, I still don't get it. She was a sweet lady, but I roll tide. It's you know I just I don't get it. Yeah, I hey. still don't. Maybe it's just I'm too California. Could for be roll mm-hmm. tide. Mm-hmm. Because when you said it, I just tuned. I when you said it the other day, and I'm like, I have literally never heard you say that before. <laughs> <laughs> I've said it so many times. Just goes to show how much he tunes me out when we're not recording. Out. We're together not too right. much. This is true. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. It's I'm okay. really sorry. You, right, you can blame I, the boss. I'm bathroom. sorry too. I'm sorry as well. <laughs> so Jerome, uh, good to have you come in studio. Uh, of course, we've been talking for a while. You got a. Um, a wild story of falling into uh, addiction, um, almost a little bit systemic in the neighborhood. In, in, in you know, when you grew up and everything else, because we had talked, you know, you, uh, essentially a single mom, but had a stepfather figure there, and, yeah, yeah, um, some other stuff. But that you know, it was kind of that lack of guidance. I would probably guess in the in the early years, maybe that that led to it, or you know, just some rebellion and, and yeah, yeah, anger. I, or? Yeah, I, I would think you know there was some. Um, Definitely some um, some trauma in the form of uh, domestic violence issues, mm-hmm. you know, um, at a point, you know, um, 
a lot of it is, you know, trying to, you know, remember what it was, but I think it was, you know, part, you know, not having a father, um, some of the domestic issues, and then just, you know, um, being kind of sheltered, you know, sure. so, you know, once, you know, you, you get out the house and you get that freedom, you know, sometimes mm. it leads to uh, just falling in with the, you know, wrong crowd and that sort of thing. So Rebelling yeah. kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. like, oh, I got some freedom. Mm -hmm. I can do what I want. Yeah. Right. You know, this is this will be all right. Right. Yeah. So a lot of that. And where was it that you grew up? Uh, I grew up in uh, Bakersfield, California. Okay, so yeah. you you're down south of us. Yes, Bakersfield's yeah. a hell of an interesting area. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> it's a, a a lot of uh, you know I would say a lot of generational things that uh, Bakersfield deals with even to this day. A lot of uh, gang violence mm -hmm. and uh, you know a lot of substance uh, use in that uh, that area. Did you avoid the gang violence personally? Yeah, yeah. I, I just you know I was one of those kids that grew up and was like uh. Like you got to jump me in to hang out with you, and you right. know, that wasn't my thing. It wasn't for <laughs> you. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't for me, you know, definitely. It, it's an odd logic, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, I, 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 we want to roll with you. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. How's that going to happen? We're going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and make sure you're huh? down. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. make sure you're down. Yeah, so that wasn't my thing. Um, you know, kind of uh, gravitated towards uh, sports. That was my thing, you know. I think the first sports like cross country and baseball. Uh, Love some football. So were you like, was it one of the types of situations where we talk football a lot? So we'll say Richard Sherman. Like, were you around it all the time and it just didn't come to you? The gang life, what I'm talking about? Like, it didn't just, you weren't attracted to it? Or was there people talking you out of it? Or you just were just completely... I think I was it? more attracted to the sports. Right. You right. know what I mean? I, I wasn't attracted to that, you know, that type of lifestyle. Sure. I think uh, as I got older, I kind of got attracted to more of the street life. Mm -hmm. You know sure. what I mean? Because it's kind of easy to adapt to that. You sure, know? yeah. Once you, you know, you hit that, uh, you know, kind of fall that to that, that degree where I was at in my life, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, so I, you know, hearing that because I can relate, you know, and I was fortunate to have friends and positive parents, you know, as we talked, you know, my, my background of father of addiction, mm -hmm. but I wanted a camaraderie, I wanted a connection, and so, you know, when when does it start, though, you know, because you went on to junior college to play football? Yeah, Junko? yeah, junior college, yeah, yeah. college Sequoias, go okay. Giants. What'd you play? Um, I played strong safety the first year and oh, then the second year guy. cornerback. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Sequoia Strong. <laughs> let's go Giants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny knowing you yeah. now for, for a few months. Is, you're just the nicest, sweetest guy. Yeah. I just couldn't see you as a killer out on the field. Yeah. But I'm guessing that's that, that cool dichotomy of people yeah. where the switch comes on. You got to yeah. know when to turn it off and when to turn it on. You know what yeah. I mean? I met some football players that were sweet as could be, but you get them on the field and they're freaking savages, right. man. I try to clean your clock if you, yeah. you know, keep your head on swivel. Yeah. I'm coming for you. Did, did you think you gravitated towards that because you brought up domestic violence? Was that, um, what, what were you seeing domestic violence wise? I mean, I think it was just, you know, I can't really, you know, you know, I just knew there were some things, you know, um, in my childhood where, you know, we ended up in the Jamerson Center, you know, for a day or so. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the homeless shelter? That would be more of like uh, where they take kids when they remove them for the home, oh. you know, and that sort of thing. I can remember that as an early childhood memory. But, you know, the particulars of it, I couldn't really remember. But sure. I know that there were some things, you know, I had a couple of stepfathers that, mm -hmm. you know, did some, you know, some real time, you know, um, some real, real time, uh, you know. Um, and so 
having that, I think early on, uh, it allowed me not to go down that path sure. because I, I've seen them, you know, in and out of jail and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. and in and mm-hmm. out of prison. And so it, it was like, oh, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, but I think it does. Uh, you know, it does sit with you. You know what I mean? It, it does. You know, when I was speaking earlier about the generational things, I think, you know, you're kind of predisposed to, you know, ending up going down that path, which I did later in life. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Well, no, and it, you know, it's that uh, all the argument of nature versus nurture and both just sim- simply come into yeah. play because I know it was uh, your mom's birthday recently. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You had this photo, yes, man. She's yes. awesome, man. Yes, Beautiful mom, lady. Yeah. Mom is a stunner. You know, she turned 63, and uh, uh, she does it big, and uh, definitely, uh, you know, the light of my life, and definitely held me down when I was in my addiction, and, um, mm. you know, I, I wouldn't be sitting here, you know, if it wasn't for her, you know, my grandmother, rest in peace, she, you know, uh, you, you realize some things, I, I, could, I could realize when my grandmother was here, and, and she passed away, mm. it was like, uh I know someone wasn't praying for me, mm-hmm. like I had that sense, and then I feel like that's when a lot of things start attacking me, yeah, you know, right. and, um, and you know, you, you have to learn and, and grow from those things, which I did, but yeah, mom's, you know, definitely is a, a, a I'll say she is a, a baller, yeah. and yeah. she does it, you know, she lives life to the fullest. And, Team uh, mama's boy. Yes. <laughs> I am too. Yes. I am too. Yes. Yeah. Well, and it's one of the sad things that we continue to see systemically. Yeah. And and all cultural backgrounds, but where there's so many moms that are having to hold it down, and then that yeah, lack of yeah. father presence yeah. and and everything yeah. else. But really, I mean, you got yourself to junior college. What's the point where it really starts to to fall off the rails, so to speak? I, I think I've always, you know, um, you know, partied. So it was always, you know, in junior college, you know, you just, you know, I guess that rite of passage. Sure. You know, that rite of passage as a young man and, and you don't realize, you know, when you dabble in uh, these certain with these substances, you don't realize that, you know, because junior college was the first time I tried cocaine. Mm. It was a game I didn't play too well. You know what I mean? It was upset. Like, oh, coach did me bad. And then there's some, you know, you know, there's some guys on the team and that's what they did, mm-hmm. you know, to celebrate. And I'm like, let me try this. Yeah. And, you know, from there it was on. So, you know, you're so immediately got, hooked and you loved it. I wouldn't say immediately hooked, but that was the first time. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it wasn't a bad feeling that mm-hmm. I recall. Um, but I didn't really get, you know, uh, really hooked on that until, you know, till about that. Uh, I would say during that, um, if you remember that Mac Dre era, you sure. know, the thizzle. Of course you know, I, I do. I think <laughs> uh, I think uh, ecstasy, you know, or thizzles. How old? Know. How What year did you graduate high school? Ninety six. Yeah, we're the same yeah. age. Yeah. So. yeah. What? How old were you when the thistle was big? I think I was had to been in what my twenties. Yeah, 30s? I was gonna say I was in late twenties when that came out. Late twenties. Yeah. Well, you're ten 30s? years younger yeah. than us, yeah, so yeah. it was yeah. probably yeah. The that played late, at every prom. Yeah. Late twenties. Yeah, yeah. Late twenties. Mid late twenties. Everybody was doing thistle. Yeah. So so that when that era happened, I think ecstasy was a gateway to the cocaine. Sure, sure. You know what I mean. And so that was really. You know something that you know kind of took on a life of its own mm-hmm. sure you know, just kind of partying always at clubs right. parties you know right. vegas i remember one time went to vegas eight times in one month oh, how do you gosh. do that <laughs> how do you do that eight times in one month that you, <laughs> that's not even fucking logical yeah, yeah, yeah. i yeah. go to vegas one time in eight years yeah. so that's yeah. how i am with i cannot yeah. do las vegas anymore yeah, i think it's when, been a good 15 16 years for me but i went for two days for a bachelor party and sunday i'm like get me out of here i am ready to just <laughs> yeah. go home like i just yeah. want to go home but 
keep going. So. Yeah, no. So. I go to Vegas now and I catch a meeting. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised right. you could catch a meeting in Vegas. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah for yeah. sure. For so sure. how so it starts? You know, you're kind of. I'm guessing once you're in JUCO, junior college, you know that early 20s and stuff like that. But you know, the interesting thing about our brains. You know, it doesn't fully mature. They say 25, 26, men a little bit later than women. And, and, you know, I'm guessing still that unresolved trauma there. And so you're kind of thrust into uh, manhood with all this stuff. Yeah, just, um, you know, uh, I I would say that I really didn't get, you know, fully addicted till after 25. So, you know, my brain was, you know, um, developed. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Sure. You know, and that's why the work that I do is so important to reach these young men and young women, you know, to give yourself a chance, you know, because once you get addicted, you know, before your brain develops or it's fully developed, you know, you're you're putting yourself at a a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Do you guys have any kind of studies and statistics there at Aspire as far as that when it comes to younger ages, you start to get hooked on substances and and the potential for recovery or the longevity of the process or? Well, I I mean, I think uh, they they say, you know, uh, an individual, um, you know, needs uh, to go into treatment uh, anywhere from seven to 13 times uh, before, you know, treatment uh, works or, or sticks. And so, you know, the thing is, is, you know, getting those individuals, uh, you know, sooner you can introduce them to, uh, you know, some type of treatment allows for that curve, you know, because you're going to go to treatment and bounce in and out. And that's a part of it. A lot of times you'll get a parent and they're like, we've been here to this inpatient or this residential or this IOP or this PHP. And and it's, you know, really tough road. Mm -hmm. You know, however, that is a part of the process, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, someone going to treatment and maybe not, you know, committing to it and, um, you know, maybe uh, being uh, discharged, as we call from a program, is not a, uh, necessarily a bad thing. It's a part of the process. So, sure. you know, uh, I would say for any parents out there, you know, keep, you know, taking your um, loved one into those programs. Keep, you know, you know, because at some point it will stick. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it is. And I mean, someone that two or three attempts you know for me you know i didn't do any any rehab of sort but definitely you know work the program half ass and then you know you get the result that you get and if you're not going to dig all in deep then you know hey you dug in deep to your addiction you're gonna have to dig in deep to this too yeah well like we said it a million times too you have to want to get better i've said it a million times and i'll probably say it another million if you don't want to get better and you're kind of in half Mm -hmm. in half out you're not going to get better right you know what i mean you know that everybody you know not everybody knows that but everybody who's sober knows that you know well you gotta be because you have to want to be sober not because you're forced to be sober. right you gotta be um you gotta get uh sick and tired of being sick and tired exactly you know it's uh it's a made up mind, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, if you believe, you know, that you can get sober, you can achieve sobriety. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. More at Jerome Piper coming up. We'll find a little bit more about his rock bottom with addiction and how the birth of his youngest child, his daughter, really was a big catalyst for his sobri- uh, big catalyst for his sobriety. Plus those fun random questions and of course the open door. We'll be talking about the phrase the truth sets you free. And I say not exactly. Recovery in the Middle Ages, a podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. Host Mike and Nat brought together by their common struggle of addiction. They get to know each other's addiction story on air and realize they have more in common than they thought. 
They discuss current topics of interest to the recovery community, including 12-step, alt-recovery, the newest medical research, and with honesty, humility, and a lot of humor, talk about their daily struggle to maintain their recovery and anonymity in the world of soccer moms and PTA meetings. If the neighbors only knew. Find Recovery in the Middle Ages on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, and MiddleAgesRecovery.com. That's MiddleAgesRecovery.com, a proud sponsor of the Knocking Doors Down podcast. 5150 is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams and working hard, and always striving to make those dreams your reality. We believe life is too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road. That road you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. So listen up. There's a special deal for listeners of Knocking Doors Down. Go to 5150LTM.com and enter code KDD20 and receive 20% off your purchase. That's 51FIFTYLTM.com. So well, we you say it happened a little bit later, you know, after 25, after you know, that kind of as science says fully developed brain what is it that's fallen off the rails did you just stop giving a shit about sports did sports in for you or um, was it just no goals no what, what so you know i was uh i had my first child at 30 and by 33 i had my first arrest mm-hmm. and so you know um always coached and worked with kids and so once you get that first arrest for possession of a controlled substance you know, obviously, you know, <laughs> I can't, no one's going to let me around their kids yeah. to coach, right? So that's something I always had passion for. And I think that, uh, you know, um, at the time I was, you know, going to school to be a teacher. And so, you know, that kind of, you, know, um, you know, shut that down, you know, because of my choices. And so it was kind of like, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. didn't know what I do. And, and, you know, the drug was there. And, um, you know, I eventually, you know, uh, moved from cocaine to crack and then to meth, you know, and it just it just snowballed. Uh, I think in that time in Utah, I had uh, four arrests, seven allegations in maybe, you know, a three year period. You know, I, I didn't do a lot of time. But the most time I ever did was 78 days, mm-hmm. and um, and I did it in max because I was, you know, uh, I got arrested. I had a warrant out, and the cop tried to arrest me, and I tried to run, oh. and uh, that was uh, that doesn't a, really work out. Huh? It was in the snow, <laughs> slipped and fell, in you know, the snow. <laughs> doing yeah. snow angels, and <laughs> cops was like, if you don't stop resisting, I'm gonna drop my knee in the middle of your neck, and I was like, oh, I stopped, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so. Um, you know, he got a scratch on his elbow, and they said, hey, that's a, you know, assault on a police assault officer. On police so every time I go to Salt Lake Metro County Jail, I go to Max, and, you know, I did those 78 days, and and it was just like, oh, this is my life, you mm-hmm. know, and, and never being in that type of situation, is that was a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, just like, like, I'm this, you know, I'm this, you know, what I, you know, fought so hard not to be in my life yeah. you know I, i'm i'm following the same paths as you know some of my stepfathers and and i didn't learn the lesson that you know their example should have taught me and so it was just a lot of uh just um you know looking you know down on myself like man how did i do this how did sure. i get here sure. and you're sitting in the cell you yeah. know so well, you had a lot of time to think in there yeah. so I mean, oh god yeah uh, that yeah. shame oh, is uh, yeah. uh 
yeah. <laughs> you know people that if you watch a movie you see the guy crying or something mm-hmm. and you get a chuckle or something that's the fucking what I like that's yeah. what it's yeah. like yeah. that's exactly what I did sitting in handcuffs that because yeah. I was, ended up laying down tightened up too much they wouldn't mm-hmm. you know they're not going to come loosen them up for you yeah. And you in jail, oh my gosh, you would be screwed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was, you know, hey, it, it sucks. Pure, yeah, literally and figure, right? Be like, he is pretty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's such a shitty deal. Now, you mentioned Salt Lake. So when did we leave the Bakersfield area for Salt Lake? So uh, that was had to be, I had my, uh, my first daughter was born November 16th. Um, 2007, mm. right? And then my then I had a son, um, November 10th, 2009. So so right about I would say right about like 2006 because I went mm. out there, you know, right about then. But I didn't get I didn't get arrested. Uh, this didn't happen until about 2013. So you know, like I said, I played football. Um, Went back. I played football. Graduated from college, Coez in 2001. Went back to Bakersfield. Um, from there, I coached from 2001 to about 2004. Went to Kansas and played at Tabor College in 2005. And then about 2007, I ended up back in um, in Utah. Mm-hmm. Married with um, my first child on the way, and um, yeah. So so really, I think not having that community, I think community is really important, yes, you know, going having your support system, you know um you know however, you know um that I think that experience prepared me for today, mm-hmm. you know because I'm in a different city, I'm not from Fresno, California, um shout out go go dogs, <laughs> you know what I mean um but uh being in Fresno, you know, I don't have the support, but I think that experience prepared me, mm-hmm. you know sure. not not having the support, it's just me and my my youngest daughter um and so uh not having support in salt lake you know and then no one knew me so i could do these drugs and not you know back home you know you go try to you know cop some uh some crack from the homie that might beat you up take your money you know because it's there's a little you know there is honor amongst thieves if you want to say but uh you know in in utah it's different when you don't know anybody so you know you don't have that uh that love of community what brought you to then to Utah? Why why Utah? Uh, my uh, ex wife is from oh, okay. Utah, so mm-hmm. so met her and um, you know things just uh, you know uh, you know uh, a lot of uh, things just clicked and happened. You know? Sure, sure. No, I understand yeah, that. I was only supposed to be in the uh, Merced area for a year and a half. Seventeen years later, <laughs> here I am. So I get that. Born and raised, baby. But where is it that you really? Um, I mean, so you move, we're bouncing from Bakersfield area, we go back east, and then we end up in Utah. Mm-hmm. How is it that any talk, we talk about a sense of community that people may not understand is, is with us addicts, we can find that community pretty quickly too. Yeah, yeah. So how is it you're falling into that? What, I mean, what's going on with work? I mean, you're, you're married, kids you know well I, well I think the one thing that was constant was you know that that culture of uh, partying you know what I sure. mean it's like you work during the week and hey I'm finna go to the bar and tie one party on, on the weekends, you know party yeah. on the weekends right mm-hmm. you know uh, I was a weekend warrior you know so that was always consistent you know it was always like hey I worked real hard I deserve a drink sure you sure. know and then yeah. you know sounds familiar you know and then once you have a drink it's like oh I need to pick me up so you know you find that stuff and you know i mean i think you can you can go anywhere in america and you can find some dope 
that's 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 easy you know what i mean that's that's the easy part you know as they say you know you can always find those friends in low places so you can go anywhere in the world that's chris heron yeah, yeah. we had a former guest he was traveling the world playing basketball yeah. and he'd find it anywhere places yeah. where it's like life sentences if you have it yeah, yeah. but moral of the story of that is yeah. you yeah you could find it anywhere yeah. if you really want yeah and that leads me into you got to have that community you mm-hmm. know just like you have that community of you know those uh unsavory individuals right you got to find that community you know that sober community yeah. you know that connection because you know that's really important you know you got to find a you know go out and find a sponsor mm-hmm. go out and uh find an accountability partner find a mentor you mm-hmm. know that that's so important and you know and when in doubt go to a meeting yeah yeah. How did you go about uh, speaking to that is, you know, getting away from the, the people that are toxic in that lifestyle? How did you cut a lot of those codependent uh, relationships and stuff like that and really get away from that? I, You know, it, it comes down to my, you know, when I had my youngest daughter, I had her in my addiction and, yeah. and we're kind of jumping around. But it was really that it was like a choice. Do you want do you want this little girl or do you want the drugs? Mm-hmm. And that was the, pretty much the choice that was given to me. And I, I chose uh, my daughter, obviously. Mm-hmm. And did you ever have any subsequential, uh, subsequential, subsequential is the word, uh, relapses following your first attempts at sobriety, or was it something that once you dug in, you got a, you worked it pretty good? Before my youngest daughter was born, there was there was a lot of relapses. A lot of times, you know, I stopped for a month here, a couple of months there. You know, I find a good job and focus. It always was around that first paycheck. Like I didn't have any money, so I couldn't buy any drugs. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I didn't have a job or I lost a job. So now I'm working, and that first couple of checks start coming in. Oh, I got a little extra money. Now I can kind of go indulge. Sure. You know, so you know, along the road there were a lot of relapses, lapses. You know, maybe at the time um, I didn't have the education to understand, you know, the difference between a lapse and a relapse and, sure. and uh, the, you know, the errors in my thinking, you know, along the way. But, yeah, there was, a, you know, there was a lot of the, you know, stop, start, stop. Oh, le- oh, 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 this is PCP. Let's try this. You know what I mean? New drugs, you know, because at the time drugs excited me. You learn about something new. I can remember, you know, when ecstasy hit, it was like, oh, this Let's get these uh, blue dolphins and mm-hmm. white Buddhas. And, you know, just I think the names of the different pills was like appealing. You you you, you sought those things out. Oh, where can sure. I find these at? I'm hearing about them, you know, through the, you know, grapevine, as you, mm-hmm. you want to say. But uh, but yeah, I think that was, um, you know, was was a uh, it led me to when that, my daughter was born, like I was saying, yeah. um, it was like, hey, you want your daughter or you want the drugs? Mm hmm. Do you ever have any bad trips or overdoses? Uh, I had a couple of bad trips off of uh, acid. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Your biggest fear? And then when you took acid, the big, like, for example, I have the most unrealistic fear of um, armadillos. I've never seen one in my entire life, <laughs> yeah. but I had bad dreams about them when I was a kid. Uh, and I've never done acid because I, I was a fan of Coke. I, I was the pills and powders. You know, yeah. I didn't want to do a drug to where I would not feel like I'm not in control. Yeah. Like you could do cocaine and go hang out with your family. Yeah. You can't take acid and go hang no, out you with can't. your family. No, you fucking can't. You know what I'm saying? Ass, so I feel like, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if I were to ever take acid, I would just have giant armadillos following me around. And I don't know, I mean, the bad dreams when I was a kid, they would just be chasing me. 
it'd be in my house I grew up in, in my dream, and they were just chasing me. So I feel <laughs> like that would just be a bad trip. So walk me through your bad trip. And and you're right. That yeah. would be your bad trip. If you have a so, fear of spiders, you take so, acid, you're going to get attacked by spiders. So this is uh, this was uh, when I was in junior college. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a buddy of mine, he's from Tank, uh, uh, he was from Daytona Beach. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he comes back and he's got these acid hits. He got a little cross on him. He's talking about these are Christ hits. Oh, I can and so that. never do a drug that is uh, named uh, after something biblical. Never. No. <laughs> it's bad, bad, bad decision. It's like sacrilegious. Yeah, 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 yeah. So a worst decision ever made in my life. And, um, you know, we're sitting there is when the first Blade came out. Oh, and one remember, of my favorite movies, yeah, actually. So, so one of my buddies, he's in there. He had blew out his knee. He's sitting there on the couch and... Uh, and then me and another guy were just sitting there, and um, uh, that scene where the blood comes out of the sprinkler comes on. Oh yeah, and then this guy, the rave, you know, yeah. And and it was and it, it was some you know some powerful stuff where I forgot I took it, and we're just sitting there, right? And the, and that that scene comes on, the guy jumps up and he puts stops on the VCR, so that tells you how how long ago he put stops, and they did it was just it, it just immediately everything just turned to like uh, someone took a spoon and. And and just you couldn't make out the walls, and it was just like one of the worst experiences ever. That was because yeah. what were these? What was it called? Like a Christ hit, I think. Was See, that was, was the yeah. big guy upstairs telling you, "You all fucked up. Yeah. And now that this was, is what you get." That was a god <laughs> shot, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last time I ever did uh, acid, and um, it, it, it was kind of <laughs> my buddy was sitting there. He didn't know we were on it. He's like, "What's wrong with you, <laughs> too?" You know, basically, he didn't use those words, but sure, sure. Um, yeah, just. You you know and you learn and it's it's one of those things where it's just like you're you know the drugs have this uh, appeal yeah. they have this pull like you know oh this would you know because of the name or you know just that uh, that experience you mm-hmm. know and, and like I said earlier it's the rite of passage you know what I mean like like this is something that you you kind of inherited that you should do that that we're supposed to do as young young boys young men like we're supposed to do this you know to fit in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe if I'd have been more secure in myself and a, a guy mm-hmm. offers me that, look what I got. I would have been like, no, nah, I don't think that'll be, you know, you know, be good, you know. And so it's just one of those things where, you know, that peer pressure is is, is tough. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. Peer yeah. pressure is a motherfucker. And we really got to continue to do, like you said, educate. Yeah. Not even just the youth that is, I, I mean, I just feel for it being a father of two and you as yeah. a father and, you know, Uncle single, Mikey over single, here. Single dog dad. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Uncle Mikey and seeing it with, with kids and yeah. trying to navigate this world and there's so much mm-hmm. more like coming at them in a way and it's just yeah. like, it's it's fucking scary, man. Yeah. It is, it's scary. It's frightening and yet exciting at the same time because yeah. hopefully they can transcend and get right, beyond right. all that, you yeah. know. I mean, it's, uh, um, how did you start to deal with it, though? Did you do rehab? Yeah, I went to a, um, a couple of different rehabs, a couple in Utah. The one that stuck was uh, Ebony Counseling Center in um, Bakersfield. It was through Clinica Sierra Vista. Mm-hmm. And so um, I went there and um, uh, met a couple of uh, gentlemen there that, you know, kind of really resonated with me. And, and they were so profound. Um, you know, um, Mr. James Davis, you know, mm-hmm. one of my mentors, right? Mm-hmm. He, um, you know, he just resonated with me and um, and allowed me to, um, you know, even say, oh, I, I want to do this for as a career, you know? Mm-hmm. So I right. went through that program. Um, their programming was like the matrix. And um, I was able to, you know, um, 
you know, I was able to complete that program and, and get my daughter back. Mm-hmm. So you know? why did the first two not stick rehabs? Uh, I was I wasn't ready. Okay. I was like, oh, I learned something in the streets. Mm-hmm. This was exciting. I you know mm-hmm. I learned how to you know how to run from the law and uh, you know how to make a little bit of money sure, you know without yeah. working and and it was just exciting. It mm-hmm. was like oh you know catch me if, if you can. Sure. I'm a gingerbread man. Yeah yeah. You well know? we get that you know we get hooked into our dopamine rushes left and yeah, right. Yeah. And and people may not understand that yeah. it's, it, if they're not an addict or or trying to understand someone is it isn't just the substance itself it's the whole entire mm-hmm. lifestyle yes, around yes, it yes yes you know? yes it's addicting and um you know that these are man-made substances that are stronger than our flesh mm-hmm. right. you know no nobody i don't know anyone's flesh that's stronger than any of these substances and they're right. highly addicted and you know and they're going to make you feel good mm-hmm. and it's about and it's pleasure Everything you do, it feels good, or you don't care that you're behaving in such a manner that right. could be disrespectful to your family, right. you know, your friends, and you just kind of isolate, you know. Yeah, your fuck, your community. Yeah, 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 yeah. In general. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty interesting. I don't know if you caught it. We had a lady on talking about like our lifestyle surrounding our addiction. Hers was love and sex addiction, mm-hmm. and it's a trip. Just how people, you know don't even understand that too again it's it's all the moments that lead up to it It wasn't even necessarily the sexual acts that were shared it was all the shit that surrounded it the the hiding the you know having a different person here here and here Mm -hmm. and all this stuff that comes into play that people don't really just understand how our brain is hooked on the whole entire thing like for me i remember sitting there you know, nights where I'm not going to drink tonight, and then anxiety kicks in or whatever, and totally blanking, like blacking out that I drove to the store to get more beer or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and like that rush even in that, it's like almost an adrenaline overload that my brain just blocked it out. Yeah, it's like, um, it's like uh, when you start to, to think or romanticize, you know, like, oh, I call my dealer. He's coming, and you you start sweating. And your stomach starts turning, and you you start you, you you know you're actually having a physical response or sensation, and you haven't even got the substance yet. Right. So you know you you do have that correlation in the whole process of uh, getting that. Sometimes I think you know um, it was more stimulating. Uh, before I actually got the drug than when I got it. So, you know. That makes sense, too. I had the same feeling. I always just thought it was because I was going on the sketchy side of town to pick mm-hmm. it up, so that was making me nervous. Is there a cop behind me? I didn't see that car parked here the last time I was here. You know, there's all that stuff's going through your head, and then you get the drop, it's in your pocket, and then you go. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was like my before doing the first line, just knowing that I had the ball in my pocket, and I'm just driving away like, Okay, and I'm home. We're good. Okay, yeah, made yeah. it. You know, yeah. I yeah. pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you know, and I and I think like you know, being in a, a you know, a city a part of town, or or it could be kind of exciting, especially you know when you're you know you're accepted, right, and you're you're able to come knock on that door and oh, this is hey Jerome, come on in. Oh yeah, you know, hey, oh yeah, hey, <laughs> come hang in. And uh, you know, until the first time you get raided and, <laughs> and the police are at the door, and then that's another uh, trauma that you have to deal with. Right. Like you know, oh my God, I'm in handcuffs again. What what did I do? You you, know? be, you say that as if that's happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you gotta tell us. So yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it was a raid or intervention, but uh, yeah. So I I was one of those people that. Um, you know, got uh, got raided in my um, grandparents' old house, and nice. that was a 
you know, a, a epic failure, you know what I mean? Sure. You know, and, and that's one of the things that drives me today, you know, to, you know, change my life and do different things because, mm -hmm. you know, that's something you have to live with that, yeah. you know, you know, you're in your grandparents' house and you get raided. And so yeah. it was, uh, you know, um, let's just say there was a couple of uh, guys in that raid that uh, I played football with in junior college and, you know, and it, um, and I, when I say was it a raid or intervention, I mean, I didn't, let's just like this, I didn't go to jail. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think from that point on, I had made a decision that this is not the life for me. You know, um, I would say, you know, my higher power or God, you know, kind of brought me through that. Even when I had forsaken him, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, you know, because people don't go through something like that. And it was really traumatic. They pull everybody out of the house. It's, you know, it was at night. You know, it's a night, a night, a night raid. So a judge had to sign a warrant you know, for them to come in. Now, obviously, you know, I wasn't, you know, doing what they assumed I was doing because they didn't find anything, mm -hmm. um, you know, but it was one of those events where it's like um, you, you have shame and guilt, like I'm in my grandparents' sure, house yeah. and this is what happened. No matter what they found or didn't found, you know, there's choices I was making that was, um, you know, um, weren't, that weren't right and, um, and it put me in this situation and, you know, I could have ended up in jail for a long time if mm -hmm. they would have had what they were looking for on right. that warrant, right? right. Yeah. But obviously, you know, I didn't have that and uh, didn't get arrested. But, uh, you know, from that point on, um, you know, I, I, I really made a choice that I don't want to live that lifestyle. And I still have to, you know, um, live my day-to-day -day life. I'm still kind of making up, you know, yeah. for that. You know, like I'm in that house and, 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 and my grandparents worked so hard. Sure. You know, um, you know, my grandfather bought that house in 1958. You know, um, and he was just, you know, he's a hardworking man, you know, um, a legitimate man. And so, you know, I, I live my um, my days to, you know, try to give back and help and and never to make that same mistake I made. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. How did you when you go last time through rehab, which is interesting, as you said, you ended up back in Bakersfield. So we've left Utah. Yeah. We've come back to the Central Valley. Having never gone to it, what was it, you know, the process with a lot of, because you talk about guilt and shame, and how have you gone about reconciling that, in addition to obviously talking about living amends, which is a big part of, of the 12-step process? Well, you know, I'll say boys want to be served, right? You know, as a boy, you want to be served. You know, you want everything at your feet, right? Yeah. Um, as a man, um, now as a man, I want to be of service. So being of service. You know, um, any way I can, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, always answer the phone, you know, for people. And, and um, you know, even though, you know, um, the job I do is um, we're in the, um, the private sector um, and I get a lot of people that, you know, obviously can't afford our services and that sort of thing. But I will um, go out of my way to find a placement for them and um, and just, you know, people hit my inbox and. And I'm and just that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna answer my phone. It could be one in the morning. I'm gonna answer it, mm -hmm. yeah. and I'm gonna talk to you, you know, and just be there. And that's that's part of what I do, you know, is just being of service. If uh, if you call me and ask me to be there, I'm gonna be there. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna adjust my schedule because that's that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. I have to be that um, that person because I didn't get that conversation when I was um, in my addiction or in my childhood. I got the dare to keep kids off of drugs, mm -hmm. but it wasn't there, as you know, wasn't a real conversation. Yeah. Right, you know right. what I mean? I didn't get that as a kid. It was I kinda, an ad campaign. Yeah, it's an ad campaign, you know what I mean? You got, you know, the, the police officer come out and, you know, and you know they're telling you to stay off drugs, but not really why, you know what I mean? And, what and did so, D.A.R.E. stand for? 
Uh, you guys remember? I remember seeing that too, but I don't yeah. remember what Dare stood for. I see that I don't remember yeah, either, and that yeah. just tells you <laughs> how impactful this is, it was. Yes, yes, this is yes. your brain on drugs, yes, and it was yeah. like Friday. Yeah, yeah. A, that was probably more you know more um, rem, uh, memorable than uh, that uh, campaign. Yeah, but but just being of service yeah. and being uh, there for my community, mm-hmm. you know, um, is just really you know how I focus mm-hmm. and and just you know uh, my life is sobriety. You know, my uh, <coughs> clean date is uh, January uh, 27th, uh, oh, okay. 2017. Nice. Now, my, my daughter's, uh, you know, uh, birth date is uh, uh, Jan- uh, December 23rd, 2016. Mm-hmm. So when she was born, you know, was, uh, uh, Christmas Eve is the next day. Right. So on Christmas Eve of that year, CPS is removing her from the hospital out of concerns for her well-being, Shit. you know, and so... That was a, a, a catalyst um, for me to get uh, sober and find recovery wow. and find this lifestyle, you know, because it was an epic fail as a father. I got a bunch of epic fails in there. Right. And, um, you know, and, and being able to talk about it and own it. I own my failures. I own right. my choices. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, being able to talk about it and say, hey, you know what? This is what I did. But however, you know, you can change. You know, because a lot of people deal with the shame and guilt and their choices like, oh, I stole money from my family. OK. You can make amends for that. Mm-hmm. You can you can make that right. You know, yeah. um, those situations are manageable, you know, and, and I'm here to tell everyone it is manageable. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as a father, you know, um, I, I do. A, I have a group on Facebook, Fathers of Reunification. And and just uh, I think you're part of it. Yes, I am. Yes. So I post stuff. I haven't really really dove into it, but it's having that dialogue and those conversations is important because as fa- as a father, you will fail, mm-hmm. you know, and that's OK. You know, but it's what you do with that failure that is most important, you know. Well, and I, th- I think it's great to have you here on as a guest. That it's so, it, it, those of us, you know, dads, whatever the circumstances, and, and we won't get off into the shitty court <laughs> system and, and father's rights and everything else. But, you know, if, uh, it, it, you know, you're struggling with, you know, mental health or s- substance addiction or whatever it is, the importance of, of if you are of good sound mind and body of being there the best you can for your yes. children to, to your fullest extent. Yes. yes, that's all that matters. And, and, and these situations that we're talking about, they're all manageable mm-hmm. if you want to manage them. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and that's the main thing is being present. You know, it, it may not be, uh, you know, it's not going to be glamorous. Right. You know, it may, it may not be uh, this glamorous situation. And, you know, however, you can manage it and mm-hmm. you can be present and you can do, you can make the choice. You know, now now the outcome may not be what you want it to be, you know, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. But that's letting go of expectations, which is so important. Yes, sir. Because not only addicts, we're really bad at expectations. Yes. yes. And how we expected life to go, yes. and it plays back in the chant. This isn't. I don't know how many times looking in the mirror, drunk. This isn't what I expected my life to be. Oh well, I'm yeah. going to go grab another couple of beers, right, right. you know, or whatever it is. But letting go of those expectations mm-hmm. and kind of being just present yeah and how do you work on things like that like what's what's the day f- for jerome getting yourself in the right mindset well you know uh you know I, I wake up i try to you know meditate or pray you know that's how i start my day and then i got a four-year-old so i gotta get her ready <laughs> so so i think you know for me that four-year-old and she is a she got it honestly she is a a, a chip off the old block and mm-hmm. i and i think for me that was um was that you know was the guiding light right you know so so like i said wake up you know i'm gonna pray or meditate 
you know, and then, you know, get her ready for school. And then, you know, um, I head into the office, you know, and uh, I always like to, I, I try to do a video, you know, you see my videos, yeah, I, yeah. I got to be more consistent with it, but I, I, I like to, you know, keep a positive message, you know what I mean? And, and that sort of thing. Um, and I, and I, I do a Bible study, you know what I mean? I do a weekly prayer, um, which is, uh, you know, um, my faith has been something that I, um, for me, that's the area that I'm focusing on, you know, and, and, and it doesn't necessarily, I'll say this, it doesn't necessarily have to be faith for you, sure. you know, um, it, but it's got to be something. Right. You have to find something that um, motivates you and uh, gives you that believable hope, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because, uh, um, you know, in addiction, we, we will have dope and no hope, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, being able to have hope and be hopeful for the future, you know, um, and recovery, everything for me in my life is back on back on the table. Things I thought would never be back on the table. Look, I'm sitting here with you, gentlemen. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like this is like surreal. Like okay, and he's a 49er fan, right? <laughs> who's Damn got right. it? Damn right. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean? So being able to, you know, the doors that have been opened, like there was one door I had my mind set on working in a school setting because I thought that's, you know, when my addiction started, you know, and that, that door was closed. But then two more doors opened up. I, I was homeless, what, five years ago I was homeless. Yeah. I had one pair of shoes. And now I'm the executive director of Aspire Counseling Services uh, Fresno Substance Abuse uh, Programming. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you can't tell me that, you know, God ain't good and he won't do it for you, you know, or whoever you believe in your higher power, yeah. you know. Um, but, you know, finding out, you know, exploring that a lot of times in, in recovery, you got to explore, you know, what a higher power represents within your recovery. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm going to tell you, your higher power will do it for you no matter what. You uh, you got to have a little bit of faith, as they say, as uh, small as a, a mustard seed, and um, and a lot of hope, right? That's what's tattooed yeah. right here. Right? Yeah, faith. and a lot of hope. That's right. You Believe. know, yes. Yeah, that is, I was talking with a gentleman that was in one of my Zoom groups, and uh, he, when he got clean, man, mm -hmm. started seeing someone, and then. Uh, you know, then she broke it off. It's like, you all right? He's like, man, I'm good with the God that I do business with. Right. It's right. like, it hurts, Yeah. but I'm good. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the thing that maybe don't, it may, I would like your experience with, with working with people that sometimes it is a struggle for them to wrap their head around it. People that have reached out to me that it's just like, I don't get the faith thing. I'm like, I don't care if you pray to this pin. Yeah. <laughs> and you talk to this every morning and this pin becomes a symbol of whatever yeah. it yeah. is. You know, it's it's imperative because yeah. they say, you know, the three pillars of uh, our mental and emotional health, our physical health, and our spiritual yeah. health. Yeah, spiritual. That's so, so how do you, when working with people that maybe are resistant to that area, how do you kind of open their mind and helping them understand? Because a lot of people don't, you know, assume, well, I'm not Catholic. You don't have to be. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to define your or join a religion per se. Well, you know, it's just uh, finding a, a multi-self-help meeting, you know, find a meeting, you know, and, 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 and if you don't want to go to a meeting, go to a meeting, you know, and, and, and sit down, you know, if you, you, you know, get out of your comfort zone and, and explore, you know, if you can sit down and take some notes and explore what this may represent within your recovery, then you've done, you've done that part, you know, and like I said, it's not for everybody, but if you don't give it a try, how do you know? 
you know, so some people then, you know, for whatever reasons, they may not be open to that. Like you said, they may be uh, against it. But, you know, if you do not, you know, put yourself in that situation and and it's not go to the same meeting, it's go to different meetings. It's right. it's it's if you got to drive to L.A. because the L.A. meeting is going to be different than the Bakersfield meeting or go to the Bay. You know, you got to get out there and, and um, you got to, you know, as they say, if you seek, you will find. So you have to seek it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You have to give it, you know, if you can sit back and say, you know, I, I gave it 110 percent and, you know, trying to uh, discover my spirituality, then I then I'm fine with it. You know, but if you can't sit back and say, hey, I gave it that, you know, the best effort and it's just not for me, then, you know, I think it's all about effort. Mm -hmm. You know, so so I think we prioritize the things we want to do. So, you know, if you're going to not prioritize that, then obviously, you know, you give, um, as they say, you give a piss poor effort, you're going to get a piss poor result. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah. it's uh, the what we want to do over what we need to do. And it needs to be the what we need to do. Yes, sir. And it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Nice it's uncomfortable because having to deal with it and speaking of dealing with it or jumping back, how did you then deal with the things? Because you've, you've mentioned traumas, but when I look at you, I don't see any pain in your eyes from it. I see yep. someone that's accepted and just and dealt with it as a part yep. of life and not continue to make that excuse. Because I'm sure if you were making that excuse and I was making that excuse, mm -hmm. I would have met Mr. Piper sitting on a bar stool. Yeah, yeah. While I'm, yeah, oh, good to meet you. You're my new best friend. <laughs> you know? I see a little yes. pain. But that was just because the Niners-Packers game. I yeah, yeah. There's still some pain in my eyes from you know, that as well. But Aaron Rodgers went to Butte College, and so he's a JUCO guy, so hey, you know, it's okay. I don't, I don't care. I don't like him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yes, there is no pain. You look very well. You look yeah. very, yeah, good on yeah, you, because um, Because it's recovery, you know. Um, I forgave myself. Sure, yeah. And then all those individuals, you know, because when I left out of the game, you know, there's people that owed me a whole lot. You know, there's people I looked uh, looked out for, you yeah. know. People I gave a, a, a place when I didn't have a place, right? Right. You know, however, you know, that's okay. You know, I I, I forgave them, you know. And, and for me, I gave it all to my higher power. Mm -hmm. You right. know what I mean? I, I forgave myself, you know. Um, you know, and once I did that, because it was all these, you know, dreams, hopes and aspirations that I wanted to be this, you know, this coach and, you know, and, and be this, you know, this example. And um, it didn't happen that way. Right. Mm -hmm, right. And, you know, I never thought, hey, you, you know, you be in, uh, be in jail and and, um, you know, and have some, you know, some monumental failures mm -hmm. that uh, that's most people wouldn't even talk about. And so once I once I forgave myself and forgave those other people and just let go of it. You know, um, as they say, let go and let God. Yep. You know, it was I was able to. You know, um, uh, every day. You know, I sleep good at night and and I got a smile on my face. And yep. then whenever I'm having a bad day and I go get that little girl, and she's like, you know, Daddy, I love you. Those are the best words you can ever hear. Sure. You know, yeah. and um, she, like I said, she's the light of my life. And and that little girl, you know, it's just you know, I, I, I and I say the higher power thing because you know, um, I. You know, there is some regret and different things with my um, my previous marriage and, and those kids, you know, and um, it didn't, you know, really work out the way um, I wanted to be work out. But it's right. manageable. Sure. You know, I'm, I, I've st you know, I got to see them and go to Universal Studios just recently. And that was a, a good time. And yeah. and, um, you know, even though they live in Salt Lake and, you know, and, and, I, and I trust that my higher power is going to make a way, you know, for um, to continue to build that relationship but the little girl 
you know, what she represents. And, and my point is my higher power, you know, you know, how do you have a child in your addiction? You don't know if the child's yours or not. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. You, you just here's a child that's born. And before the child was born, I was like, it's a girl. And it comes out and it's and she's a girl. And I looked at her and I was like, yeah, that's yeah, that's my TT. <laughs> and, um, and it's just, you know, ever since then, it was there was a change. And I and I and I and I have to, you know, give the credit and the glory to God, because, you know, I know that that was his plan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You yeah. know, and and, I, you know, I'm, I'm a religious guy, but I just know. Like, I would not be here with you guys, mm-hmm. you know, without without my faith, you know, without, you know, um, the doors that, um, you know, my God has opened up for me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's that's just, you know, like just, you know, um, how welcoming you you are. You don't have to do some of the stuff you do, you know, message and comment and and that and that. And I know that, you know, like I said, I know there is a God. I know there's something bigger, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and I've been able to, you know, heal, mm-hmm. you know, and you got to find a way to find that healing. You know, if it's go to therapy, go talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know what? Talk to me. Call me. I'll talk to you. You know <laughs> what I mean? But talk to somebody you can trust. Sure. And 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 find, you know, put a plan together. You know, what are you going to do? You know, how's your day going to look? And um, and stay committed to it. And, and, I, and I assure you, you know, um, time changes things. Time heals things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Completely I think putting agree. that shame, guilt, <clears throat> and like you said, forgiveness is so imperative. Yeah. And to just... Put it behind yeah. you and move yeah. forward, not yeah. be stuck in that past. Yes. You know, because uh, you know, as since we were talking, it's like a trippy situation. I, you know, we had a former guest on here hit 15 years sober. You know, three minutes later, I have a friend of mine that I I separated myself mm-hmm. with. Uh, he'd been 14 so- years sober from meth and mm-hmm. finally got his GED, and then like two minutes later. I get a message that a friend died of addiction-related right, issues, right. and this was all within like a ten-minute span. Right. And so, you know, what it what it did, even though other than breaking my heart, is it helped me realize is that no matter what it is, the work can be done to build a life. Right. Right. And let go of the the bullshit expectations, because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I wanted to be a GI Joe, a movie star. <laughs> And fly attack helicopters. I haven't done any of those. But in a weird way, life brought me kind of around full circle in doing the work. Yeah. You know, this guy and I, you know, we went to have a fucking Charlie Sheen twice. It's like, you know, yeah. one of those yeah. guys that I loved, you know, as an actor. Yeah. And, of course, him to go through it and then to meet him in sobriety. It's just a yeah. trip of what life can present and really... In addition to that, how things become manageable. Like you yeah. said, the shit that it, we use as an excuse to go shove something up our nose, yeah. open another bottle, whatever it was, it, it just starts to go away. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. You know what I mean? Like you're saying, your friend, he's, he got his GED. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can start there. That is, you know, if you didn't graduate from high school and you go back and get your GED, GED I, I take my hat off to you. You know what I mean? Think about the courage. Think about the... You know, just what it takes to at a, at this age, you're grown to say, you know what, I'm going to go back and, and finish this thing, you know. And so and that's what recovery is about. It's going back and saying, you know what, this is this is my plan. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go to school. 
You know, uh, I'm going to, you know, there's great programs out there. Like if you've been incarcerated, Project Rebound. I'm a graduate of Project Rebound at Cal State Bakersfield. And, and individuals, so, so there is, there's so much programming out there for individuals to regain their life and, 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 and give back, you know, to the community because that's, that's what this is about. You know, um, I, I'm in a position to, you know, help uh, Madera and Fresno County and individuals. And, and, and I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to eradicate all substance abuse in Fresno, Madera uh, County. But um, I, I heard a gentleman say, you know, um, we're just a piece of a larger puzzle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so Aspire Fresno, we just get to be that piece, right. you know, and, and I get to, you know, um, you know, live out our, our motto, you know, plant seeds and save lives. And I think it's important because if I meet you. And I talk to you if it's a kid, adult. I'm, I'm, you know, my my goal. I'm planting seeds in you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm hitting you. You know, you know, and and because the main thing, if you can believe, you will achieve. And sometimes it's starting to believing in yourself. And um, you know, once I'm able, once I was able to believe in myself, and I was like, oh, I got eight months. I got this little girl back. What? These people are crazy. They think, you know what I mean? And I still got her today. So <laughs> I wake up and she's still there. And it's like, you know, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's been a reward that you can't put a dollar amount on, you know. Yeah. And like I said, recovery is not glamorous. This ain't glamorous, you know. You don't go into this field because you're going to get rich. No, you go in this field because I'm giving back. I'm being of service. Mm -hmm. And I, and I want to help individuals gain the peace of mind that sobriety will give you. Because mm -hmm. the peace of mind that you get in sobriety, is you can't put a dollar amount on. Yeah. And it really pays forward. Yes, sir. To your loved ones, your community, and just in general. Yes, sir. Mike, you finish your damn water. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it's time for those rapid, fun questions. Uh, just random questions. We don't have to answer them rapidly. Answer them rapid as fuck. All right, here <laughs> we go. I'm just kidding. Would you rather fight one horse-sized chicken or ten chicken-sized horses? Mm. Ten of them. Oh, man. I think I'm going to have to go with the 10 of them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that yeah. seems to be the popular answer. Mine, yeah. too. We've had a couple people say they would fight one horse-sized chicken. Because I think the horse-sized chicken will take you out. Dude, Just if you one were to pack. get one pack, that's <laughs> one what I'm saying. One, one beak pack. to the eye? Yeah, it's a wrap. Oh, my gosh. It's a wrap. It's all done. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm amazed with some of the people who would take the horse-sized chicken. I'm just like, bro, a horse-sized well, any. Thing. We've never told them they can't have any weapons. And no, if yeah, you we figure yeah, a chicken that big... There's no weapons. I'm it's having a you. hell of a barbecue. It's just you. It's just you. <laughs> okay. And you just punt those little fuckers. You know what I'm saying? They just <laughs> Kick come them at you. But if they get you on the ground, you're It's screwed. a wrap. It's, it's a, a wrap. wrap. So yeah. Because even being the size of a chicken, yeah. they're still strong because horses are strong as fuck. Yeah. So. All right. All right. Ten it is. Uh, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Um, one superpower... Um, that's a good one. I think I would want to be like uh, the Flash. I want to be fast. You want to be fast. So, you know, huh? like yeah, yeah. track was my first love. I think I would want to be fast. Right? Yeah. yeah. What do you think you would do with that type of superpower? Uh, I don't know. Run, just, just run, run around the city. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, I guess you know. Like I don't know. If you're saying superpower, you know, I'm a comic book guy, so you know. Oh, me too. Yeah. So, so I probably I I'll go to the Olympics and win the hundred. There you go. And, yeah. and, and uh, yeah. But you'd have to slow it down. Yeah, yeah. So I was going to say, so it'd be like, okay, that was ridiculous. Yeah. He did it in less than a second. You yeah. know what I mean? Come on. Uh, this doesn't to, even count. If they were to make a movie about your life, who would you cast to play you? 
Oh, that's a good one. You know, that was big. You know, you know. I think we. I think I, you know. Probably there's a couple of good guys out there, but you know, hey, you know, um, Michael B. Jordan. I swear, uh, I was gonna say Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. I swear that yeah. makes. Yeah, I could. Is, I could. Totally is it me that. or is he one of those actors? It's like. Yeah, I got nothing. I got no reason to dislike this guy in any way, yeah, shape, yeah. or form. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. He's kept it. Uh, he's kept it good, you know. Yeah. Even in the in in Black Panther, it was like you know him playing the villain. I was like, yeah. ah, there's still something I see about the guy. Yeah. You know, he thinks he's right. He's a yeah. jerk, but he. Th- you know. Did you see him in Space Jam with LeBron? Did yeah. you see that one? Yeah. I, Dude, that was, did you see that? Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was hilarious. Like, we got Michael Jordan, and I was <laughs> like, is he going to make a cameo in this? And all of a sudden, Michael B. Jordan <laughs> yeah, comes Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was like, great. That's fucking hilarious. I mean, in my opinion, that movie didn't hold a candle to the one with the real Michael Jordan. Yeah. But, you know, everyone's like, well, it's three kids. Yeah. I'm like, so was the one with Michael Jordan, but it was still better. I can watch Space Jam with Michael Jordan. And yeah. I'm not a LeBron hater, because I think what he does off the court, I know we're totally getting off topic here yeah. but right. i know what he does off the court is phenomenal you know the school that he has for the kids what's it called i can or i, I, will. I don't recollect it's something it's like, like that. that he does amazing it's an academy things. yeah and on the court he does some incredible amounts of crying all the time <laughs> yeah. so on the court i don't really care for him that much because i feel like he cries more than he actually plays yeah. basketball but off the court he's fantastic but back to the space jam movie michael b jordan hilarious yeah great scene because i was great like scene. i was i thought michael was going to come in i was like I oh this is gonna make, yeah. this is gonna make the movie and yeah. then and then I bust up. And Michael B. Jordan's like, that little thing grabbed me, and I yeah. told him I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, Gosh, so. that was freaking good. Uh, and we will officially never get LeBron James on this show. Yeah. That's all right. I'd rather have Michael Jordan anyways. <laughs> uh, but you got to love the king, you know. I have them both. Yeah. I'm a Lakers fan, so. Yeah. Jordan, Kobe, yeah. then Curry. Yeah. Like he's not even in, LeBron's not even in my top three. That's all right. Doesn't mm-hmm. have to be. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, this turned into a sports podcast. Well, no, that's all right. I'm going to throw a sports question. So you're a sports Perfect. fan. Uh, favorite football, <clears throat> basketball, and baseball teams, and maybe another surprise sport that you're interested in. Mm. So think blue, Dodgers. Um, you got Giants fans over here. <laughs> the, you know, great Chicago Bulls. Okay. Right? That's because I grew up in that Jordan Pippen era. Oh yeah, yeah. I was a Pippen fan, so it's kind of like you like the Bulls. You can't, you know, you can't trade up now. So, Mm. and then you know, obviously, Fort Niners. You know, who's got it better than us? Nobody. (laughs) Nobody. Well, now I mean, the Rams got it better than us. Cardinals got it better than us. It's a long season. It's a long long season. season. It's a long season. Really upset. We're not going to go too far because this (laughs) could go on forever. I'm not going to even throw a Raiders jab in there because I know the teams they've played so far, (laughs) and I get, I get that this. But we appreciate that you acknowledge that. We appreciate I that you with, acknowledge I that. I do with any sport that I'm a fan of. I just like... <sighs> it's like I'm a big Formula One fan. Lewis yeah, Hamilton's okay. my favorite driver, and it's like, when he wins, it's like, people are like, yeah, whatever. It's like, yeah, he pulled the miracle today because his car is... Yeah. Their cars are not as good as another team. Uh, surprise sport that you might be interested in. You know, I got a root for Kevin Hargett. Hargett. From Bakersfield, oh, California. Little NASCAR, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. Oh, here's my Kevin Harvick story. When I was in high school, I wrestled him at the Shafter Invitational. Really? And um, he he choked me out. It was all bad. He, he pinned me. It was. Just, <laughs> I was just gonna say, who yeah. won? Oh, yeah, he yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like. Well, it's you know, cool. Yeah. You could say you got yeah. choked out by him. Yeah. 
Well, he's just, he's kind of a spitfire of a dude because he don't take no shit on the racetrack, so I yeah. can see him being kind of a tough yeah. guy. He went to know? North High, so, you know, if you know anything about North High. North yeah. High. I it's think like, I was at BHS at the time, yeah. 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 Who's that? But somebody take your pills. Yeah, Sorry. so got to root for Kevin Harvick. You right know, on. Bakersfield, California. He, he, he's got a shot, but we'll yeah. see. I'm a, a Kyle Larson fan. Him and my brother yeah. are actually friends, so yeah. we'll see. It's been yeah. a good season. It's been an exciting, exciting season of NASCAR. Mikey, you're up. All right. If you were stranded on a deserted island and you can only take with you one movie and one album, what would it be? Oddly and enough, there yes, is on, a there's a TV <laughs> yeah. and electricity, yeah. but you can only take one of these. Things. The Matrix. Okay. The first one. Uh-huh. And um, Machiavelli. Oh, oh Tupac. Right. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we what? haven't gotten Tupac surprisingly uh-uh. yet. Yeah. Why the Matrix? Um, I, you know, I think it's one of those uh, movies that you know changes like a, a, you know, there's movies that come along, in a, in, a, in a lifetime that just changes the way a movie experience is, mm-hmm. and it was one of those movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even that make you think in a totally yeah. different way about life. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, uh, why that Tupac album? I think it's a classic. It's I just Tupac. think it's like yeah. it's Tupac's just. I mean, I, that you can you can listen to every song on there. I mean, I think it's just probably one of his. He was a poet, man. Yeah, one of his yeah. greatest works, and then it kind of came out when it came out and the songs and and I, and I think like in that in that album, you know, just the you know the passion, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you know he was very angry. I yeah. wish I could tell Tupac right now, uh, go to therapy. You know <laughs> what I mean? So you ain't gotta be so angry. Yeah. He was young when he died. How old? Yeah. Like twenty three. No, he's older than that. Yeah, twenty nine was it? Yeah, I don't think. I don't remember. I don't think he age. was older than twenty five. Twenty five? It might have been twenty five. Yeah, it was. It's he wasn't bug. that old. It's gonna bug but, me now. Yeah. Well, you do have the technology. You can look it up. Yeah, um, look, I'll look it up. Yeah, look it up. No, it's, that's interesting that you bring him up because I remember him. You know, and just like music in general, you know, a, a white kid in a rural area, and then hearing like what first song I heard from him was "Brenda's Got a Baby," mm-hmm, and it was like. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, yeah, this yeah. stuff, you know, it was something about when you see it on the news, I'm always, even the news today, like, oh, bullshit, there's an agenda. But then when you hear someone really talking about it and mm-hmm. telling this yeah. story yeah, that yeah, was yeah. there. 25 years old? Yeah. yeah 25, wow. 25, 25 yeah. You know, it was the stuff that started to open my mind, yeah, yeah. you know, in a different way. So, yeah. uh, well, Mr. Piper, we like to leave the uh, guests with the last uh, thoughts, words of inspiration, and uh, any way people can uh, get a hold of you, contact you. Um, well, uh, I'll leave you with this. Um, find a meeting. Uh, don't use no matter what. And, um, you know, um, reach out and ask someone for help. It's yeah. all right. Yeah. You know, just reach out. Reach out. And, um, and if you want to reach out to me, um, you can uh, reach me at 559-777-6797. Um, um, I'm at Aspire Counseling Services uh, in Fresno, California. We also have facilities in Bakersfield, California, Simi Valley, Santa Clarita, and San Luis Obispo. Um, and we do have a 24 uh, hour um, um, 1 800 number, um, which we have a chat on our website at aspirecounselingservices.com. That 24 hour number is 888 585 7373. So d- just reach out. Yeah. You know, reach out and, um, you know, go to a meeting. Yeah. yeah. If you can reach out to a dealer, you can reach out for help. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mr. Jerome Piper, thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Mr. Jerome Piper, cool as shit. 
What a great fella. Yep, I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Someone that's uh, actually become a friend. We talk about once a week now, and so it was cool for him to come in and, and just share his life. Hopefully somebody out there relating to that, and you know, you're inspired or continue to be inspired no matter what your path is. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mikey. Jason. We've all heard the phrase, the truth will set you free. The truth shall set you free. Yeah, the truth shall set you free. And I say, no, it'll piss you off first. But uh, it doesn't mean you're not free. Not free. But it's it, it kind of takes me back to uh, one of our prior episodes, uh, Wade Gilbert talking about no matter what the hardship is in life, you, you got to walk through it. And I was really thinking about that. The truth shall, shall set you free. Uh, once I got truthful with myself, like I got a problem, it pissed me the fuck off. It really I, did. I need you. I bloop bloop. That's a that's a code for me telling Jason to get to the point. It's like a fast forward on TV. So for here going forward, if you hear that, that's what it is. Yeah, you were pissed off, but I'm I'm curious as to hear how it's not true in your opinion. Okay, so the truth shall set you free, but it's going to piss you off first. Okay. All right. So it's kind of like you and I, prior to this podcast years ago, we'd go hang out, have a couple cocktails. We weren't getting shit housed or anything. We could mm-hmm. just hang out. Right. So I can't, that's just something I can't do anymore. I mm-hmm. just can't. I, I, I know it's a problem. No matter how much I dig and dive into my traumas or unravel stuff or I'm at peace with things, I just have to accept that no matter what, that's just not in the cards for me so it's it's i think anything we have in life is sometimes we just got to come to terms with ourselves when we look in the mirror and and look at our defects and say you know there's certain things i just can't do or i won't do for the greater good and it might piss you off because we had a lot of good times. Like, I, I know there's some big concerts in 2022 we're talking about. Chili Peppers, baby. Yeah, I mean, I got the, the Motley Crue Def Leppard. It'd be cool as shit to go chill with you because we are friends outside of work and have a beer and a hot dog or whatever or go to the baseball game like I used to. I used to love to have a beer, a hot dog, and pop some sunflower seeds in there and chill and watch. Especially, you know, we're both Giants fans, so mm-hmm. some excitement going on, you know, with them and the Dodgers. But as of this recording... But I just can't. So it's kind of like... we could still go and have fun and not drink. And to comment on top of that, don't you feel free without alcohol holding you down? I do. But what I'm saying is it pissed me off first. Well, yeah. But everyone's saying like things happen for a reason. That reason is ultimately part of a bigger goal. But some of those things that happen along the way are fucking awful and can suck and it would piss you off or make you sad or this or that. But ultimately it was for the greater good. Absolutely. So that's what that statement I think was for. Yeah. And I think going back to even other things where I sat and I blamed er everyone or something else. Yeah. Well, people in general, I think we do, you know, like uh, I, I was, you know. I was late to work. Sorry about that for being late again, boss. It was the train. Well, it's like we actually don't. We got to take everything into account and be accountable. No, that's horse shit. There's a lot <laughs> of trains on the way to work for me. I get stuck by I got stuck by two and like four semis. Yeah. And I, I come with the Starbucks. Oh, uh, you never said this, but people will be like, oh, you're late for coffee it's like uh no fucker i got stuck behind two fucking trains and four semis driving in the fast lane so that is a valid excuse sometimes sure sometimes i mean it happens but uh you know but i get what you're saying yeah i get what you're saying so it's uh i was really thinking about that yes the truth shall you say it you can't say it can you (laughs) the truth shall set you free it's fucking you up the truth shall set you free uh but 
at first it might piss you off. Sure. And, and I think that's just There's p- fine print. Yeah, I think that's just the part of embracing it and and I think we have to everyone no matter what it is if you're listening for this podcast to be entertained, informed or you are struggling as I have with addiction or Are you not entertained? <laughs> or both of us with uh, with mental health, me of course with anxiety, depression more so than anxiety and of course you admittedly with anxiety is it's you know we got to walk through it so it's kind of like yeah it pisses me off to have anxiety it pisses me off that like you know at one point that uh you know shit i'm i'm an alcoholic this this is a problem for me but now it is a gift so my point in that is we got to walk through the shit we just do yeah um i i was pissed i'll never forget it i was about 20 i guess i will forget it i'll forget my age at least i was like 22 maybe 23 and i remember i just got on these new meds for anxiety and i i don't know what it wasn't like xanax or a volume or anything Mm. like that it was so it was something you're supposed to take every day i mean i guess if you want to be specific they do prescribe volume and xanax every day but this wasn't that it was something they prescribed every day and i remember it just enhanced the shit out of my anxiety i remember punching myself in the thigh as hard as i could because i was trying to redirect my thinking I was Mm. trying to focus on pain. People say like put a rubber band on your wrist and snap your wrist, but none of that shit worked for me. And I remember just being so annoyed. Like I would wake up in the middle of the night and I couldn't sleep right before I'd fall asleep. I'd have an anxiety attack and then I'd be tired as hell. But right before I'd fall asleep, I'd have an anxiety attack. And I wasn't, I was mad at the time, but now it's just, I'm 33 now. And it's just kind of like, you know what? These are the cards I was dealt. It is what it is. Like, I'm having an anxiety attack. It could always be worse. I could be actually having a real heart attack. You know what I mean? There's people who, you know, have it way worse than just people who suffer with anxiety and depression. So that's why I'm kind of just like, you know what? These are the cards I was dealt. I'll just learn to deal with it. And I feel like I have. I still have anxiety every now and again, but I'm not pissed off anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, neither am I. Not saying you are. Not saying you are. I I just, I'm speaking like just, you know, in general and whatnot. But yeah, the truth shall set you free. Back to that. It may piss you off, may get you feeling some type of way, but ultimately I think we can both agree that it's true. Yeah. It's not weighing you down. There's nothing on your chest. That's like, I'm keeping in this lie. Uh, But once it's out, you're good. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and that's really what I wanted to get your take on it that for a thing of encouragement because I most certainly, I'm not pissed about it anymore. It's yeah. kind of, we talk about that superpower thing. And, you know, I love what we do. I love w- the listener feedback and interactions, you know, be it people that, you know, catch an episode here or there or the people that listen to all of them and, and, and reach out. I mean, they're just phenomenal. So it's it, a thing that, that, hindered me at one time has now become like the greatest blessing of my life. Like I'm in the best place, you know, finally at 43 years old that I've ever been in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, and I have little things. I have war injuries and stories or, you know, trauma or whatever, but like I'm fucking cool with it all now. It's, it's fine. It's just, it's just part of my life. You know, I don't compare it, but I could like my, you know, neck and shoulder injuries, but then we talk to someone like Kurt Angle that's in severe pain from breaking his neck like five times or whatever every day. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it could have been worse. So it's just, I, I just, there's no blame anymore. It's just the truth. It's just the reality of my life. 
And it pissed me off at first, but I'm no longer upset because well, I've walked through it and I've done the work and, and I've earned it. And that's the thing, like you were just saying, as far as your neck and shoulder, like, yeah, that hurts for you. Kurt Angle broke his neck and that hurts for, it's like everybody's story. You can't compare, you weren't doing this. I'm just speaking in general again. You can't compare your story with somebody else's. It's like, well, I'm not an alcoholic because that dude drinks way more than me and he's fine. It's like, well... You could be, even though, you know, you don't drink as much as him doesn't mean you're not. So it's always just best to not compare stories yeah. as far as like, well, he did two eight balls of Coke. I only did one. Right. So it's fine. You know what I mean? Like I had a cocaine. I abused cocaine. Yeah. But if you read Carlos's book, Knocking Doors Down, he abused <laughs> cocaine. Right, motherfucker had pounds of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Probably like a pound at a time. I'd on probably, credit. I'd probably have pounds of it too if I had the same size of a bank account, but I didn't. Which is probably for the best because an eight ball was kind of tight for me, which was a hundred dollars back in the day. I don't know what it is now because I haven't done it in years. But um, yeah, it's probably for the best really? that I couldn't afford as much as he did because I don't think he, me or a lot of people would have made it out with the amount of. Uh, coke that that guy did yeah and speaking of don't forget to pick up carlos fierro's autobiography knocking doors down the book that inspired us to do this podcast it he does talk very openly and vividly about his cocaine addiction and some crazy war stories in there as they're called from when you're actively in your using uh, whatever substance it may be and of course subsequently uh when he finally got sober as well as uh, what spawned on the uh, 5150 lifestyle brand and everything else so uh check that out the link is in the podcast description for that or you can go to kddmediacompany.com uncle mikey anything else no i'm going home on that note keep knocking doors down Strengthening communities, providing resources, building awareness, empowering youth in need to overcome adversity and achieve success. This is what the Carlos Vieira Foundation is all about. Through our campaigns, the race for autism, race to end the stigma, and race to be drug free, we're able to help so many in need. Our goal is to provide support to families and children and give these families opportunities that might not normally arise. Learn more and find out how you can get involved. Visit carlosvierafoundation.org today. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate we welcome any comments suggestions or correction of errors privacy is of the utmost importance to us for those wishing anonymity people places and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests this website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony no guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website in no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content, establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.